Pope Francis and the Vatican are part of this new movement in Abu Dhabi to create a triple whammy, an abomination, a common place of worship for Jews, Muslims, and Christians based on the idea that we share an Abrahamic tradition. Is this Christian? Is this authentic? Is this based on truth? I'm with my friend today, Matt Gaspers, who's written a great article on it. He's done a lot of coverage going all the way back to the Abu Dhabi document in which Pope Francis says that God wills the diversity of religions on earth. Matt Gaspers, Christ is risen. Hallelujah. Welcome back. Indeed, he is risen. Hallelujah. Thanks for having me. Well, why don't you, uh, I'm going to put the picture on the screen. Tell us what we're looking at here when we see these three interesting blockish buildings. What's going on here? Right. So how I describe it in my article is that we basically have um, a monument in stone to the document on human fraternity that you just described and how they're described on the official uh, Abrahamic Family House website. That's what this monstrosity is called, the Abrahamic Family House Campus Theme Park. I don't know what you call it exactly, <laughs> but uh, that's what Chris Ferrara calls it, an interreligious theme park. <laughs> so it's described as uh, houses of worship. So we have the Imam Al-Tayeb Mosque, which is named after the Grand Imam who signed the document with Pope Francis in February of 2019. We have His Holiness Francis Church. Some people have claimed it's named after St. Francis of Assisi, but as we'll see, and I think a video clip we have queued up, it says on the building in English, His Holiness Francis. That seems to refer to Pope Francis. Yeah, I mean, if, if they're calling them, if they're naming the mosque after the imam who'd signed the document with Pope Francis, it would make sense that the Catholic one, and I use quotes here, would be yeah. dedicated to His Holiness Francis, which I think would be exactly. the first time ever a Catholic church was named after a living person in the history of 2023 years of Christianity. Yeah, I can't think of another one. And then, of course, to finish off the, the campus, there is a Jewish synagogue called the Moses Ben Maimon Synagogue. Uh, and all, as viewers can see, they all share roughly the same dimensions and feature similar designs. And the point of this, of course, is to convey a message of equality. In other words, religious indifferentism to the world. And that is precisely the problem with this whole project. Yeah, and uh, I mean, my my thought here is, why not, if, if it's all the same Abrahamic tradition, and it, I'm saying ifs here, my friends, if right. it's all the same Abrahamic tradition, and if it's all the same God, and if we are all worshiping God together, why did you make three? Why not just make one? <laughs> one big, yep. one big Lego block. Right. And uh, everybody can just side by side worship together yeah. that's that's my exactly. question well our friend chris ferrara recently said that jokingly you know half jokingly who knows it might actually happen but uh you know if they're going to make this like a theme park they could have a <laughs> monorail system like at disneyland <laughs> or disney world where you got a monorail that goes to each one each right. land <laughs> yeah yeah it's kind of like epcot center but for yeah. ecumenism Exactly. And that's really not an exaggeration. And they honestly, people... these kind these kind of got Epcot vibes. Yeah. It's absolutely. definitely if someone told me the person who made the Epcot ball in Orlando, Florida made these buildings, I would say yes, that's true. It's got the same kind of night what year is this style? This is nineteen sixty four? What would you call this style? Uh, one person on uh, Twitter one time commented that they look like something from, I'm not real familiar with the show Star Trek, but like Borg Cubes. Yeah, <laughs> I can see that. Borg Cube. Borg Cube. Resistance is futile. That's what they used yeah. to say on the Borg Cube. I like Star Trek all right. I like Star Trek all right. We got some interesting comments. I want to jump to a few of them real quick. Sure. Um Angel Spinola says, I'm having pain in my gut just seeing this. Um, Ann M says, the bland room you get in an interfaith airport chapel is what this will be. Good yep. one, Ann. I, I agree. Um, and and I we're laughing mention, because we're not crying here. 
Well, yeah, um, exactly. Nancy says Frank, Frank Lloyd Wright. I think that's actually an insult to Frank Lloyd Wright, but I can see what you're saying there. Um, Christy says, show me in Scripture where God commanded ecumenism. Um, I'm part of a men's Bible study. We uh, pray the rosary and, and read the Bible. And last night we read together uh, the epistle of St. John, the second epistle of St. John. And I want to I read something from there because it, it, sure. it comes up right with what we're talking about today. And, and we men were discussing it. By the way, I'd like to encourage all of y'all out there to start your own Bible studies, pray the rosary with other people, friends. But here is Second John. There's only one chapter, First John. And it is verse 7. For many seducers are gone into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a seducer and an antichrist. So, John the Apostle says anyone who confesses that Jesus um, is not the Christ or didn't come in the flesh or that he's the son of God is an antichrist and a seducer. That applies to the two other buildings on this Epcot ecumenism monorail ride. And then it says... If whoever revolteth and continueth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that continueth in the doctrine, the same hath both the Father and the Son. If any man come to you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into the house, nor say to him, God speed you. So if someone doesn't have the doctrine that Jesus is the Christ, that he's the Son of God, and he came to the you can't even receive him in your house. So let me ask you this, Matt Gasper, why are we building houses of worship next to people who explicitly deny Jesus is the Christ, Jesus is the Son of God. How does that even begin to make sense? I think Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano hit the nail on the head uh, shortly after plans for this monstrosity were revealed. He wrote a very strong uh, intervention. I think it was really his first critique of the Second Vatican Council, publicly anyway. And he said, let me see if I can find the quote. I quoted in my... Um, article here it is so he says the building of the house of the abramitic family seems to be a babylic enterprise referring back to the tower of babel Mm. concocted by the enemies of god of the catholic church and of the only true religion capable of saving man and the whole creation from destruction the foundations of this house dis- destined to give way and collapse arise where by the hands of the builders themselves, the one cornerstone is about to be incredibly removed. Jesus Christ, our savior and Lord on whom wow. is built the house of God. Now here's the money phrase here okay. in the garden of Abu Dhabi, the temple of the world syncretistic neo religion is about to rise with its anti-Christian dogmas not even the most hopeful of the Freemasons would have imagined so much. And wow. Yeah. Freemasons love this stuff. Yeah. Yep. So I think that's where it's kind of, it's ultimately you can sum it up in one word as you did in your book, infiltration. Infiltration. Now I kind of want to show this. I put the verse on the screen so people can see it. Um, it says not to even let, if you deny Jesus Christ, you can't even let these people in the house. So why are we building houses of worship with people who deny Jesus Christ? It is, as St. John says, his words, not mine. This is a seducer and an antichrist. Yes. Why are we, why are we building houses of worship with seducers and antichrists? And also in St. John's first epistle, he says very clearly, it's dishonest for us to say that uh, other so-called Abrahamic peoples like Jews and Muslims have God the Father because they deny the Son. He says, whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. Yes. Period. So Muslims and Jews denieth Jesus, the Son, so they do not have the Father. That's John the Apostle who stood at the foot of the cross with the Virgin Mary and watched our Lord Jesus crucified and his side split open and blood and water come out. If he's saying that, you can't unsay it. Right. It's inspired by the Holy Ghost in the Bible. This is what we need to understand as baptized Christians, as Catholics. 
Yes. All right, I'm going to show this clip just so everybody can get a feel for what it looks like. So this was re uh, the, this campus opened, by the way, I think it was February 16th, so several weeks ago. And this video was released. It's like a promo video the day okay. that it opened, and they're touring the buildings. So I think it starts in the... Yeah, there it is right started. there. His yep. Hold up, hold up. His Holiness Francis Church. Yep. Hold up. Let me go back here. There it was. Boom. Oh, wait, it won't. His Holiness Francis Church. First time in church history where a church, a Catholic church so-called, has been named after a living person. Because Catholic churches are named after saints, and saints, canonized saints, are dead. They've gone to the eternal reward. This is ridiculous, Matt Gaspers. Absolutely is. I'm going to keep playing it. So from the, the church, so-called, then they I think they go to the synagogue and then end in the mosque. Yep. It looks like Novus Ordo Epcot. It does. It's got a very, it's like... There's, it you know, like Muslims a, don't believe in images of our Lord and Mary and the saints, and no, not, of course, neither the Jews, and of course, the Christian church. This is all whitewashed. Right. It has a very sci-fi feeling to it, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, Borg. It's very... Very weird. Certainly not somewhere I'd want to go. And the man leading the tour, I believe, is uh, the sheik, like one of the leaders in Abu Dhabi who had the idea of building this monstrosity. There's Pope Francis. Yeah, all right, all right, that's enough. That's enough. Yes. <laughs> Can't take it. Can't take it. Well, let's let's connect some of the dots here, Matt Gaspers, for people who are new to this discussion. And right. if you could fill us in on what happened back with the Abu Dhabi document. You and I have done many interviews on that, but there's mm -hmm. people new in the audience. So let's talk about Abu Dhabi document, why it was de deemed heretical by so many Catholics across the world, and then how that naturally gives way to this Epcot Ecumenical Center. Right. So in February, early February of 2019, this is several months before the Pachamama incident, um, Pope Francis traveled to the United Arab Emirates, which is a, an Arab nation on the Arabian Peninsula, and specifically the city of Abu Dhabi. He's the first pope ever actually to travel to the Arabian Peninsula. But unfortunately, instead of going there to try and convert the Muslims to Christ in his church in the spirit, the true spirit of St. Francis of Assisi, he went there to attend an interreligious meeting, something hosted by the Council of Muslim Elders, if I recall correctly, all about human fraternity. And as we found out, the main reason he went there was to sign a document, which is called the Document on Human Fraternity for World Peace and Living Together. And this is the line from the document that caused so much controversy because it is objectively heretical. The pluralism and the diversity of, and then he gives a list, religions, color, sex, race, and language are willed by God in his wisdom through which he created human beings. So we need to start by saying, yes, God willed, uh, God positively wills the different you know, skin colors, obviously male and female, he created them. Race, when it talks about God creating the nations of the world and the first um, meaning of the term nation is not a national, like physical land border, but it's the people that occupy it. So different people groups, God created different people groups. And we also know that God positively willed the different languages when he confused the languages after the Tower of Babel incident. So that is all true. What he does not will is the pluralism and the diversity of religions. Uh, because we know from, from sacred scripture, from tradition, divine revelation, 
that there is, as St. Paul says, only one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and that our Lord Jesus Christ is the only way to God the Father. As we just discussed, St. John testifies in his epistles, if you don't have Jesus, if you deny Jesus, who is the Son, you do not have the Father. So it's absurd to claim that God wills a multiplicity of religions. In other words, the existence of false religions together with the one true faith in the same way that he wills diverse biological traits and languages. This doesn't make any sense. And, and Bishop Athanasius Schneider sought a clarification from Pope Francis. Pope Francis yes. said, well, I meant per- permissive will. But if you read the line, it's impossible, because as you just said, God. so there's, there's God's absolute will, what he wills, and then there's his permissive will. So, for example, he allowed Adam and Eve. He permitted it was allowed. Not that he allowed it morally and says, you may do it. But he gave them free will, and they chose evil and fell into original sin. Right. right. That was because he willed positively free will, that outcome happened, which right. God allowed. Yes. So that's what we call, theologians call that the permissive will. Not that he's giving permission for sin. We right. want to make sure that people don't, that's not what Christians believe. But that he permits or he allows sin to happen because he gave us free will. Then there are things that he wills absolutely or positively, like he wills all men to go to heaven. He wills all of us to receive baptism. He wills none of us to sin. He wills all of us to attend mass on Sunday. Right now, we can all reject that with our free will, but the way Pope Francis wrote the document is that God wills, for example, the diversity of the two sexes, male and female, and he does positively will that. You put it into yes. creation. You, Pope Francis can't come and say, well, when there's a multitude of religions that contradict and are against God's true teaching of Jesus Christ, you can't say that that's the same kind of willing. No. No. Definitely not. And so the, the crux of my article, what I, what I explore in my article, which is available at catholicfamilynews.com, we know that this Abrahamic family house was inspired by the document on human fraternity. In fact, the day after it was signed, that same um, Muslim leader who was leading the tour that we saw, he, uh, Sheikh Mohammed bin Zayed al Nayyan, who was at the time Crown Prince of Abu Dhabi, he announced on Twitter that he ordered, quote, the construction of the Abrahamic family house in Abu Dhabi to commemorate the historic visit of Pope Francis and Grand Imam al-Ahmad al-Tayeb and to reflect the peaceful coexistence of different communities in the United Arab Emirates. So we know for sure that the document on human fraternity is the direct inspiration for this Abrahamic family house thing. Um, What Pope Francis said the day after signing the document on his way back to Rome is really the focus, the focal point of my article. He said, I openly reaffirm this. From the Catholic point of view, the document on human fraternity does not move one millimeter away from the Second Vatican Council. He goes on, it is even cited several times. Now there he's mistaken. The document does not actually cite any council documents, but he does rightly say the document was crafted in the spirit of the Second Vatican Council. And as I demonstrate throughout my article, there is a lot of uh, contextual overlap, specifically in regard to two conciliar documents, Nostra Aetate, which is the Council's declaration on the relation of the church to non-Christian religions, and also Dignitatis Humanae, the declaration on religious freedom. So there's lots of overlap that I go over in my article in detail. And and this is part of the problem, you know, Eric, you and I have talked about this with regard to Bishop Barron, you know, God bless Bishop Barron. He, he has done good work, but you know, he uses this post 1960s language of, you know, glimmers. What's the word he uses? Lesser lights. He uses the term. There's, there you go. Yeah. The other religions have Jesus is the true light, the Son of the he's Father. He's the privileged way. He's the privileged <laughs> way. Bishop Barron says he's the privileged way, not the only way, which is what the Bible says. 
And then that these other religions have lesser lights in them. And if adherence to these, let's just take Buddhism, for example. So Bishop Barron and post-1960s theology is going to say, well, there's these lesser lights inside Buddhism. So if a Buddhist focuses on those lesser lights in his Buddhist religion, that will lead him, even though he doesn't know it, it'll lead him to Jesus. And so in reality, it's as if he were baptized when he dies and he goes to heaven, or maybe he has to go to purgatory and go to heaven. That's kind of the Carl Rahner anonymous Christian. Rahner called it the anonymous Christian. You got these people, there's a Hindu guy, he helped a grandma cross the street, that was a lesser light, that's Jesus. So it's just kind of like he's getting sacraments by helping old ladies cross the street and being a kind, good person. And so he's an anonymous Christian. He doesn't even know he's a Christian. And they even say that there's people who expressly reject Jesus Christ, like Muslims, as the Son of God. And even they are saved because they're they're doing the lesser lights. So they're doing Ramadan, they're fasting, and they're doing some prayers. And so that's kind of like them doing Lent in their way. And so God says, even though you reject Jesus as the Messiah, or as the Son of God, rather, uh, you're doing Ramadan, and that's a lesser light, so you're going to be saved. Well, and if you recall when uh, when Ben Shapiro interviewed Bishop Barron back in late 2018, Barron actually told him, you know, Shapiro asked, am I basically screwed here in, re- in relation to being saved since he's a practicing Jew and he refuses to convert? Yeah. What he asked, what's the Catholic And rejects view of Christ me? and rejects Jesus as the Messiah. Right, exactly. Barron, in his answer, that's where he's talked about Jesus being the privileged way. Mm -hmm. Barron even went so far as to say, even, quote, even the atheist Vatican II teaches of goodwill can be saved, in direct uh, contradiction to Hebrews 11.6, which says, but without faith it is impossible to please God, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and is a rewarder of them that seek him. So this is a flat rejection, denial of scriptural truth. And where is it in the New Testament where this is even hinted at or taught or in the church fathers? Nowhere. Mm -hmm. Nowhere. The idea, I mean, there was a heresy called Pelagianism, and Pelagius, he taught that there was no original sin. And that if you just using your own human nature strive to live a good life, you'll be saved. So that baptism, Eucharist, confession, mass, all the things that Catholicism teaches are not actually necessary. Right. So, yeah, this makes Catholicism um, like when you're going from L.A. to New York, it's like, well, would you like the first class ticket or would you like economy? If Economies like Muslim, Buddhist, Hindu, Jew, atheists are in the back by the bathrooms, but they're still going to get to New York, right? Right. And then the Catholics, they get to sit in front in first class. They get a hot towel, you know. They get a little sh- bottle of sh- a little thing of champagne, maybe a little meal, and uh, they get a little bit wider seat, more comfortable, and and they get to get off the plane first. Is that is that the benefit of being Catholic is you get to go you go to heaven first class as opposed to economy class? No. There's there's one plane, there's one Noah's ark and that's the church. And that is the teaching of the Catholic Church. Extra ecclesia outside the church, there is no salvation. It's a hard teaching. But it is a Catholic teaching and we need to wrap our heads around it and we need to just accept it and submit to it. And when we do, will help other people to know, love, and serve God through Jesus Christ in the church. Right. And what, so one of the, you know, when I was doing my research into uh, Nostra Aetate Dignitatis Humanae, rereading those documents, I'd read them before, but I wanted to refresh my memory and then also read the entire document on human fraternity and see, you know, do some analysis, see where things lined up uh, text over text. And one thing that became clear is that the document on human fraternity very much agrees with the touchstone of Dignitatis Humanae, the Declaration on Religious Freedom, that the, the, 
the concept in that document is that religious freedom, in other words, the freedom to practice and promote false religion, if one so chooses, constitutes an inviolable right of man. And to quote Dignitatis Humani, uh, quote, has its foundation not in the subjective disposition of the person, but in his very nature. So the claim, the outrageous, novel, erroneous claim made in that document is that religious freedom, the freedom to practice false religion is founded in the very nature of man. And the document on human fraternity very similarly declares, quote, freedom is a right of every person. Each individual enjoys the freedom of belief, thought, expression, and action, end quote. And then immediately after that sentence, that's where we find the heretical claim, the pluralism and the diversity of religions are willed by God in his wisdom. So just to kind of summarize for folks, and you can read much more de in detail my article at catholicfamilynews.com, the document on human fraternity makes explicit that which is implied in Nostra Aetate and Dignitatis Humanae, namely two things. Number one, all religions are more or less good. And so there are degrees of goodness. There, it's not a matter of true or false, according to Nostra Aetate and Dignitatis Humanae. So that's first. Number two, all men have the right to practice and promote whichever religion they prefer. Once these propositions have been embraced and then acted out on the world stage by popes and other Catholic prelates for decades since Vatican II and are now embodied in this Abrahamic family house campus, it only makes sense to conclude, as the document on human fraternity does, that the pluralism and the diversity of religions are willed by God in his wisdom. And as Pope Francis said, the document was crafted in the spirit of the Second Vatican Council, and he also said that the council, quote, must be developed. So this is the logical development of Vatican II's novelties. Mm. Yeah, I mean, if, if you ask anyone who's totally given over to post-1960s, Vatican II, ecumenism, all that, and you show them this picture of the three Abrahamic houses of worship, and you ask them, does God love this? Is God so happy about this? They're going to say yes. They're going to say, this is so awesome. we got Muslims worshiping with Jews and Catholics, and we've got this campus, and it is awesome. They love it. And you see this in Europe. They're allowing Muslims to come into Catholic churches and take them over for worship in times of prayer and Ramadan. And, one, one and they man believe would... that this is a good thing. Yep. And I know one man in particular who, I think, let me, I'm talking about the the heretical Catholic, you know, Catholic theologian Hans Kung. I forget when he mm -hmm. died. I know it was sometime in the last couple years. So okay, so he died in April of 2021. And he, as you know, and I, I'm pretty sure you cover him in Infiltration, was a major player, theological player at Vatican II, one of the progressive modernist theologians that was rehabilitated by John XXIII, put on some of the preparatory commissions and had a major influence on some of the council documents, especially Nostra Aetate. Um, interestingly, he wrote a book back in, let's see, when was this published? So 1991, and it's based on a 1990 speech that he gave at none other than the Davos, the World Economic Forum Davos meeting in February 1990. This is what the cover looks like. Hans Kuhn Global Responsibility mm. in Search of a New World Ethic. And in this book, he begins by saying, no survival without a world ethic, no world peace without peace between religions, no peace between the religions without dialogue between the religions. That's what this book is about. And he also says in here, he talks about, in religious terms, a post-confessional and interreligious world is coming into being. In other words, slowly and laboriously, a multi-confessional ecumenical world society is coming into being. And he calls for, he says, what we need is an ecumenical world order. And specifically, wow. regarding, specifically regarding what he calls the prophetic 
religions, he puts them all on the same plane, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, he says there specifically needs to be peace between these religions. A theology for peace between Christians, Jews, and Muslims should therefore be first be worked out. A theology of peace which calls for self-criticism and self-correction on all sides. Uh, and he says he condemns the notion, the, the endorsement of a claim to absoluteness of Jewish, Christian, or Muslim provenance, which lays absolute claim to its own truth, detached from the truth of the others. So for people like Kung, there is no such thing as absolute divine, you know, a unique and definitive revelation from God, which came to us in right. and through our Lord Jesus Christ. Religions are ultimate. It's modernism, as we've discussed many times. It bubbles up from within. Everybody's kind of got a portion of it, and we all kind of we work together to fit the pieces together, and then we somehow come up with this whole, which is the, you know, the truth. But it's all right. relative to them. It's all relative to them. He says all three religions, those Abrahamic faiths, so-called, are concerned with truth, justice, and salvation. Well. Yes, pre pre Christ Judaism was a was God's preparation for the incarnation of His Son, so that was the true faith until Christ came and established the new and eternal covenant in His blood. Islam has never had any part of that. Muhammad is a false prophet who taught horrible, blasphemous, heretical doctrines, uh, which are anathema. Yes. So. Hans and heresies wrong. regarding holy matrimony. Yes. And he was a pedophile. Yeah. I mean, let's just let's too. just say yeah. all that, you know. So why so why are we wanting as Christians, as Catholics, why are we wanting to build a his holiness Francis church right next to a religion founded by a false prophet and a pedophile? No thanks. Hard pass, H to the no, don't want it. Why is Pope Francis signing all these documents? with these people. It's diluting the truth of the Catholic faith. Right. One resource I want to point people to, I did. I read through this again in preparation for writing my article. Our friend Eric Sammons wrote an excellent book. I know you've interviewed him about this, Deadly yes. Indifference. Yes. And he does a good job of tracing the history of how, how did we go from teaching for, you know, 1900 and 60 some years extra ecclesium nola salus no salvation outside the church to something like this abrahamic family house campus thing yeah. and he talked i was talking about, to a guy who was a seminarian he said in seminary they actually had a course called the title of the course was called salvation outside the church huh. <laughs> they had a course <laughs> Jeez. Since you're bringing up academic stuff, I, you remember that priest a couple weeks ago, the Franciscan friar who said adoration is a waste of time? Yes. I, I looked up his uh, profile. His He teaches at a St. Bonaventure University in New York, and one of the courses he teaches is something on interreligious dialogue. Of course no it surprise, is. No surprise there. Of course. All right, let's take some questions and comments. We've got sure. uh, about uh, 1,500 people with us. Please, everyone, like the video whether you're watching on Twitter, Facebook, Rumble, or YouTube. And then please do subscribe to the Dr. Taylor Marshall podcast and also Catholic Family News, where uh, Matt Gaspers is, is regularly bringing good content. So I'm going to go into the live chat right now with Matt, and we're going to take some of your questions and comments uh, for the next several minutes. So let's go. All right. Does anyone know which building is which? Who got the center building? That's kind of the prize real estate right there. Let me see here. I, I'm betting the Muslims got it since they built it. Probably so. <laughs> Let me pull up. And you know what else is interesting as I look at this, Matt Gaspers, is the, the Catholic Church, one, does not have a cross on top of it, which is required. Uh, mm -hmm. for Christian churches. Now, in Muslim countries, they're often banned by state laws, so it's understandable. But the fact that you look at this picture of these three buildings, the Epcot of ecumenism, 
You can't tell which is a mosque, which is a synagogue, and which is a church. And there's no cross to tell you. So I'm like 99% sure I recall that the building with the art, the really tall, thin arches, that is the mosque. Okay. I'm pretty sure that the Christian so-called church is the one with just the straight perpendicular mm. beams up and down. And then the ones with the zigzags, I'm pretty sure that is the synagogue, if I okay. recall correctly. All right. And we'll ask people in the live chat if anyone does know out there and can confirm. That would be really helpful. So, yeah, there's no, there's nothing denoting them as uh, what religion they are, which is, I think, another another bad sign of what's going on okay i'm gonna go for thank you for that that uh, question mary i'm sorry we didn't have a super definitive answer on that hopefully we can get some more clarity on it all right there's a lot of good questions here but i'm gonna try to focus them on this interesting okay here is a question uh taylor matt do y'all think the cubic abominations look like pagan temples look much like the parthenon yeah i think so i think that the the parthenon is the parthenon is actually rectangular but it does look like your sort of classical greek looking building what do you think matt you know something something just dawned on me it's interesting i think the reason why they're all cube shaped is definitely muslim influence because if you look at the kaaba structure in Mm. mecca it's a cube I don't know if you can pull up a picture so people could see that. Yeah, but I think, I mean, Orthodox churches are cubes too. Oh, that's true. And the Muslims got that. They got their shape from the Orthodox. Like Hagia Sophia, the Hagia Sophia uh, Cathedral of Constantinople is cubic. Um, And then the Holy of Holies in the Old Testament, even though the temple was rectangular, the Holy of Holies was a perfect cube. Right. And then in the Apocalypse, the book of Revelation, the uh, the Holy of Holies is a cube as well. So I don't think we can say cube is bad, per se. Right. I, I meant more just from their perspective as Muslims, they, their intention might be to make it look like the Kaaba mm. uh, in Mecca. That yeah. could be. I don't, I don't have any evidence to support that. It's speculation. But Oh, you know, one question I wanted to ask you is, you know, the Vatican's always short on money, they say. I don't Who knows if it's true? They don't ever give an audit. But here's these rich Muslim sheikhs. Do you think Francis got a check for coming and signing that document and allowing these Epcot buildings to be built? That's an interesting question, and it wouldn't surprise me at this point. I, don't, I haven't heard anything to that effect, but it, it wouldn't surprise me. Okay. And as far as which buildings belong to who or which are which, I did. I am looking now, confirming that the the one with the arches is the mosque. Okay. The the diagonals, the zigzags, is the synagogue, and then the straight up and down beams is the church. So the 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 His Holiness Francis Church actually got the center spot. <laughs> Maybe that was a concession to get it done. I don't know. It still doesn't make me feel any better about any of this. <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, Ashley says, good point. These are cubic, just like Mecca. And of course, there's an emoji sign for Mecca, the little black box. Uh, have you ever noticed, by the way, Catholics, that on the emojis, the Muslim get their little bead thing, but we don't get a rosary? People even use the Muslim bead thing for a rosary, I, I refuse to use it as a rosary emoji. Right. How can the Muslims get their religious emojis and we don't? We got the little purple cross. That's all we get. Hmm. Where's our Where's our crucifix emoji, our rosary emoji, our Vatican emoji? We don't get any of that. And as far as prime real estate for this campus is concerned, I do note there is a website which has a different perspective photo there appears to be it looks like it was built on the edge of a highway or something and the mosque is the one that's right on the edge of the highway just as a side note i can see a little road there yeah but it looks like there's also a road behind the the center one as well 
I sent you a link. I don't think anyone's going to actually use these buildings. Like, hey, mom, um, it's time to go to mosque. What should we do? Oh, let's go to the triple whammy Epcot Abrahamic yeah. faith. Or, hey, it's time for mass. Do you think masses are going on inside this Epcot building? Do you think they're having the holy sacrifice there? So when I was researching my article, uh, you know, a couple months ago now, I saw I came across a report from Catholic News Agency, which essentially said, so when this thing opened, uh, the church opened on February 19th, and there were papal representatives there, Cardinal Michael L. Fitzgerald, a past president of the former Pontifical Council, now Dicastery for Interreligious Dialogue. There was a Bishop Paolo Martinelli, the Apostolic Vicar of Southern Arabia. And I know one of them, well, also um, the current president of the Interreligious Dialogue uh, Committee, and I'm pretty sure it was set to be consecrated at some point in the future so that mass can be said there. The initial thing was just some kind of prayer service, but they were intending to consecrate it in order for mass to be offered there. Wow. Okay. So there it is. Here's a good uh, comment from our friend, Araceli Rios. She says, I'm going there with myself with cement and to cement a rosary into the side of the building. I like that. There <laughs> There's no, and someone else uh, brought up the fact that there are no statues, it seems, of any any religious art in this building that I could see in the video. Maybe they're going to add them later. I don't know. I don't I don't think Mohammedans are going to be super psyched about statues of angels and saints on the campus. What do you think? No, I think it'll stay very bare, very barren how it is now because it was built by those who are iconoclastic, as you've said. Right. But I think, as like you said, I don't think serious believers in any of the three religions are going to go there for their regular worship. I think the purpose of this whole thing, as I said, is summed up by Archbishop Vigano, that it's meant to um, make a, a physical monument to the false ideas in the Vatican II documents and, and get people more accustomed to this sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, in a very much according to the agenda of the Freemasons, um, who want you know who are religious indifferentists? They're naturalists. They think that you can come to deification through your own human efforts. That the divine is present naturally in all of us, and you just have to go inward and connect with it. It has nothing to do with receiving an external revelation from God, who is above in heaven, and receiving His grace through the sacraments. So I think it's the whole purpose of this. Uh, you know, religious Epcot Center is to desensitize people, to get people more accustomed to this sort of thing. Yeah. It, and I will it, say it also directly ties into the current synod on synodality, which is inter ecumenism and interreligious dialogue are integral components of that monstrosity as well. Definitely. And it wouldn't it would not surprise me at all if before the end of the synod on synodality, we see some kind of an event held at this new campus they might as well bring their pachamamas and see what the jews and the muslims think of the pachamamas <laughs> maybe right. they can have an ecumenical dialogue on pachamamas and that's by the right. way this whole ecumenical thing like what's the abrahamic faith and all that they don't care these ecumenical satanist globalists um they don't they're gonna they're gonna hold up a pachamama and then the next week, they'll be like, Abrahamic this and Abrahamic that, even though the Muslims and the Jews would spit on a Pachamama as an idol. They speak out of both sides of the mouth. This is the most dishonest thing. Ecumenism is totally dishonest. Ecumenism is like a man and a woman living together and having sex and saying, I love you. We're totally committed to each other. <laughs> but they don't have a true marriage. There is no vow. There is no covenant. There's nothing. And when we get together, like at Assisi, was it 1986, the first one? Mm -hmm. When we get together for these ecumenical gatherings and there's a pope there or bishops or clergy and everyone's doing a group hug and a kiss and we're all spiritual and all, that is fornication. Mm -hmm. That is just like a man and a woman living together, having sex, but they aren't married because they didn't make vows. And when you enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, you make vows at baptism. Either your godparents make them for you when you're a baby or you yourself make vows. Do you deny Satan? 
And then, and all his pomps and all his works. And then, do you believe in God the Father Almighty? Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Do you believe in the Holy Ghost and the Holy Catholic Church, the Apostles' Creed? We make baptismal vows, and that creates a covenantal bond with God through Jesus Christ. All this ecumenical stuff is just fornicating. Yep. It's premarital sex. Until people actually come into a sacramental union with Jesus Christ, there is no spiritual lovey-dovey hugs. We're all on the same team. We all pray together. Here's a comment from um, Howard. This is a problem. Do not worship with Muslims. Love them. Pray for them. Do not worship with them. They deny the divine Christ, the second person of the most holy trinity. And that would apply also with the Jews. That's right. They do not accept Jesus Christ. And this applies to all these Catholics out there every Holy Week trying to do Seder meals. That's not Catholic. The one true Passover is the holy sacrifice of the Mass. The one true Pascha Passover is the Triduum. That's Catholicism. I'm getting kind of ecumenically incorrect here, Matt Gaspers. Well, I'll add to it because it's also a lie to claim that Jews and Muslims are true children of Abraham in a spiritual sense. That's another big lie of the, the post-conciliar era that we're all supposedly children of Abraham. This is the last subject that I tackle in my article. So, you know, our Lord discusses this very subject in during his public ministry. We read in John's Gospel, for example, then Jesus said to those who, are, who believed in him, if you continue in my word, you shall be my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, we are the seed of Abraham, and we have never been slaves to any man. How sayest thou, you shall be free? From John 8. Mm-hmm. So although he acknowledged that they were the children of Abraham according to the flesh, our Lord ultimately told them, quote, If you be the children of Abraham, do the works of Abraham, namely believe in Jesus, the promised Messiah, as Abraham did. He said, Abraham, your father rejoiced that he might see my day, you know, prophetically. Yes. He saw it and was glad. Amen, amen, I say to you, before Abraham was made, I am. And what happened after that? St. John tells us the Jews picked up stones because they wanted to kill Jesus. Yes. And the Muslims would do the same thing. Yep. They deny. And then deny they the said, Christ. we are the children of Abraham. And then what did Jesus say? You are of your father, the devil. Yep. Because they're rejecting Jesus Christ. Imagine reading what we, you just read at an ecumenical gathering. <laughs> They'd probably want to stone you. Yep. This is the hard teaching of Jesus Christ. To be in the presence of Jesus Christ and to hear his teaching is very difficult. It is a miracle to believe in Jesus because he has teachings like, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, there's no life in you. That's a hard teaching. You know, these people are saying basically during the time of Christ, we are saved and have a relationship with God because of our DNA structure, Mm -hmm. because we can plug something into ancestry.com. And because we have a genetic connection to Abraham, we are saved. Let me tell you something. God is not interested in just giving free tickets to heaven because of a DNA sample. Jesus Christ came to destroy that idea. Mm-hmm. We have a ticket to heaven, if you want to call it that, through Jesus Christ, who's the way, the truth, and the life. He came to give us salvation, which is received through faith. Mm-hmm. Through faith in him, in Jesus Christ, not your DNA. I'm so sick and tired of people saying, well, if that person has Jewish DNA, they're automatically saved. That is, that is insane. Yep. Yep. And it's insane that a bishop of the Catholic Church, when asked point blank by a practicing Jew, am I going to be saved? He didn't give a straight answer. Yeah. That, that's beyond scandalous. It's sad. Whereas in Acts chapter 2, when all the Jewish men rush to St. Peter on the day of Pentecost and say, what must we do to be saved? Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Peter didn't say, "Eh, you know, just keep doing what you're doing. Follow your conscience, lesser lights, Vatican II. Peter said, repent and be baptized and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and receive the Holy Ghost. This promise is to you and your children 
which is why we baptize babies. Peter told them to repent, be baptized, and believe in Jesus Christ. That is a covenantal union with Christ that prepares you to go to heaven. That is Catholicism. That is the New Testament. That is the Acts of the Apostles. Why aren't our popes and bishops and priests preaching this 24-7? Instead, they're setting up ecumenical Epcot. Yep. It's sad because people, people need Jesus. They need the hope of Christ. They need the healing. People are walking around wounded with pornography and adultery and abortion and contraception and depression and drug addiction. All these wounds are walking around, and the only one who can heal them is Jesus Christ. And yet we're hiding the truth, and we're like, no, no, just keep on being spiritual and, you know, looking at crystals and smoking weed and going to the mosque or whatever their spirituality is when the only solution is Jesus. Yep. It's sad. That's why, so Eric Sammons in his book, Deadly Indifference, he sums it up this way. He's, he refers to it as the emphasis shift, emphasizing, instead of emphasizing there's no salvation outside of Christ in his church, he says the emphasis shift consisted of three aspects. And this shift was going on in you know the late 50s and especially early, mid-60s during the council and after. So first, the church changed her focus, or rather church men, uh, changed their focus from proclaiming the gospel to non-Catholics to desiring dialogue with them. Second, the church toned down her proclamations of Catholicism as the sole path to heaven. And third, the church no longer warned against the errors of non-Catholic religions, instead highlighting the beliefs held in common with Catholicism. This threefold emphasis shift, whether executed with good or with nefarious intentions, has had far-reaching consequences in the life of the church, obviously. Yep. All right, let's take a couple more questions before we get to the the full hour here. Thanks, everybody, for watching. We appreciate y'all. Please like and subscribe. And uh, let's go back into some of the some of the live chat here. You know, this also comes on, uh, is right in sync with the Anglicans mm-hmm. having their liturgy, their rites inside St. John Lateran right there in Rome when just next to that altar is the tomb of Pope Leo XIII who says Anglican orders are null and invalid. So how are they practicing Valid sacraments, if their clergy are null and invalid, this is again spiritual fornication. You can't say a uh, hundred over a hundred years ago you're null and invalid, and then give everybody a hug and say, "Come into the intimacy of the altar of Jesus Christ in the Cathedral of Rome and start saying fake sacraments." That's not honest. And again, I think it's directly related to this synod on synodality that's going on. Here's a quote from the synods. Synod of Bishops' Office in Rome released a document last October called the Working Document for the Continental Stage. They've sliced this thing up into different stages. We just ended the Continental Stage recently. Here's what the document says. A synodal process is incomplete without meeting brothers and sisters from other confessions, sharing and dialoguing with them, and engaging in common actions. That's exactly what we saw there in John Lateran. So this is exactly, it. It's exactly what's going on in Abu Dhabi. Yeah. All right, we got an objection here. Jan Sobieski says, to be fair to Pope Francis, he only approved it. He didn't create it. And I doubt that it wasn't without skepticism. Is this a valid defense of Pope Francis? He he just approved it. He didn't he didn't actually create it. Well it's named it, after uh, him. Yeah, he didn't actually get lay out the bricks right and maybe he wasn't the actual architect but he signed the document he agreed to it the place is named after him so here's what i could say then this is quoted in my article Uh, we know that so this this uh, campus was designed by something called the higher committee for human fraternity which pope francis has papal representatives on the committee and when they visited him uh, i think it was in mid november 
of 2019, the higher committee met with Pope Francis at the Vatican and showed him the plans for the interreligious campus, and he was supportive of that. He's also supportive of the higher committee of human fraternity. So the evidence simply doesn't support the idea that Francis is uncomfortable with this in any way. I'm so tired of these Pope splainers who come on and say this kind of stuff. Like, well, I mean, he didn't create it. He just approved it. Come on. Come on. That's like I come home from work one day. My entire family is worshiping Buddhas, and I approve of it. Well, Taylor Marshall didn't create the Buddhas. He just approved. No, <laughs> no, right. that doesn't work. <laughs> come on, people. Use your heads. Yeah. I think what's happening here, Matt, so when people do Pope explaining, where they come on and they make these kind of comments like, well, right. he only approved of this common worship with Muslim and Jews and a church named after himself. Um, I think what's going on with people is they're thinking, I'm hearing Matt Gaspers and Taylor Marshall talk about real deep problems in the church. That makes me afraid like I'm going to lose my faith. I don't want to lose my faith. I love God. I love Jesus. I love being Catholic. I love going to the Mass. But when I hear these problems, it makes me scared that I'm going to lose my faith. And so instead of seeking answers and solutions, just like if you found out you're getting cancer, that's a scary thing. You have cancer. Right. Some people will just say, well, I don't really have cancer. I'm going to live my life. And other people will be will spend hundreds of hours reading about cancer, reading about treatments, tumors, therapies, mm -hmm. different doctors, and they'll they'll look at the, the root of the problem and try to fix it. And if they can, they can. If they can't, they can't. So I think there's people out there who are of goodwill and they're earnest and they want to keep the faith. They hear right. people like us shining a light on these dangerous practices that are contrary to 1 John, 2 John, Gospel of John. We've read all the passages. It's on the screen right now. They feel like they're going to lose their faith. Don't lose your faith. There can be a bad pope, and you can still get to heaven. Mm -hmm. You know, when you die, you're, you're not going to be questioned on your interpretation of Pope Francis. When you die, it's going to be, did you have faith, hope, and charity in your soul? by maintaining a charitable union with Jesus Christ and your neighbor. In Matthew 25, did you feed the poor, give drink to the thirsty, clothe the naked, give shelter to the homeless? Like, were you doing faith and works under the banner of Jesus Christ? That's it right there. So you're not going to lose your faith. In fact, most people that I hear from, from the DMs and the email are like, thank you, you're helping me keep my faith because everyone knows something's rotten in the state of Denmark, rotten yes. in the state of Vatican. Something yes. is wrong and that we can be joyful and we can go to mass every Sunday or every day and pray the rosary and raise our children as Catholics despite the chaos should be of an encouragement to you. So we don't have to do what Jan Sobieski is doing right here and, and try to Pope explain. The Pope signed these documents. He approved it. His name's on the buildings, all right? And we can just call a spade a spade and say, this is wrong. Right. And it doesn't make us bad Catholics. That's right. No, it's simply acknowledging what so many have called over the past several decades, the passion of the church. Mm -hmm. And even Pope mm -hmm. Benedict XVI used that phrase. He used it specifically in, in reference to the third secret of Fatima when he was asked about that in, what was it, May of 2010, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Yep. So be of good cheer. We're still in Paschal Tide. Christ is risen. Hallelujah. He's Indeed, risen forever. He's risen. He doesn't die again. He is risen forever. He is our high priest at the right hand of the Father, says the Hebrews, epistles of the Hebrews. So um well I want to thank you, Matt, for being on today. Let's uh before we sign off, I want to encourage everybody to go to Catholic Family News, get their newspaper. Um, watch, read their articles on the site. Here's their site right here. On, uh, I'll show you what the site looks like at the top. CatholicFamilyNews.com. There it is. And uh, make sure you like this video. Make sure you subscribe. Um, if you want to get a 200-year history of this, check out my book, Infiltration, The Pot to Destroy the Church 
from within. And um, what else, Matt? Besides, we're going to pray uh, Hail just, Mary just, here. Sure, I'll just invite viewers to check out so Catholic Family News. We do a weekly news roundup, usually on Thursdays, you know, around like four or five uh, Eastern time in the in the afternoon. So check us out. On, we're on YouTube and Rumble, Catholic Family News, and we'd love to see you over there. Awesome. Great. All right, let's pray. Uh, let's pray Hail Mary for Pope Francis and all involved in this architectural mistake, spiritual mistake. Oremos. Yes. Nomini Patris et Fidi et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in molieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in hora mortis nostre. Amen. Amen. Nomini Patris et Fidi et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Amen. All right, everybody, thanks for watching. Remember our Lord Jesus Christ is you're the light of the world and the salt of the earth. So go out there and be salty. God bless, Godspeed. And thank you again, Matt Gaspers of Catholic Family News. Thank you.